Times he is good. There is nothing too hard for him. He does everything. Amen. And this morning we are looking at three scriptures. I will do my best to keep myself within the scriptures. First Kings chapter 17, 
Philippians chapter 4 and John chapter 6. 1 Kings 17, verse 7 to 16. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 to 20. But if you want to get the message clear, you get it from verse 15. Then John chapter 6, verse 1 to 15. So let's run through the story of 1 Kings chapter 17 from verse number 7. Shall we read together? It's on the board. Those who have the Bible, open and let's begin to read aloud. Let's go. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belonged to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. I went to Zarephath. Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. Uh, I, I advise the projection board to download a different app. This one has some things that if you are not careful, jumping from verse 9 to 11. So let's go. So he called to her and said, verse 11, In your hand. Verse 12. Only a handful of flour in a bean and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Verse 13. Fourteen. Fifteen. And then verse sixteen. The bean of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Ephesians chapter 4, 19 and 20. Ephesians 4, 19 and 20. Let's go. Let's read together. Sorry, sorry, not Ephesians, Philippians. Let's go to Philippians. Excuse me, Philippians, not Ephesians. Last night I was reading Ephesians, and Ephesians is in the brain. Uh, let the brain release the Ephesians and bring the Philippians. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19. Uh, according to his riches in glory, verse 20. 
be glory forever and ever. Amen. Finally, go to John chapter number 6, verse 1 to 15. John 6, 1 to 15. Let's go. After these things, which is the sea of Tiberias, Verse 3, and Jesus went up on the mountain. Verse 4, uh -huh. great multitude coming towards him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? 6. knew what to do. Verse 7, listen to Philip. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. Verse 8. Nine. Verse 10. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. 11. As much as 12. Gather up the fragments that remain. Thirteen. Then verse fifteen. Hallelujah. Uh, pick NIV and move to verse 7, 8, and 9, and let's see something there. Verse 7. Let's read this one. Now, go to New King James Version, verse 7. Let's read that one. All right, stop there. Ask your neighbor, what is the difference between what the NIV reported and what the King James reported? Philip is saying 2,000 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. That means uh, the people gathered here, if we want to use 2,000 Ghana cities, uh, 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 it will not be sufficient for them. And then the other one say, half a year's salary. It means when they asked Philip, he was calculating his salary. And he calculated the salary, and when I put six months together, I will have 2,000. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was doing mathematics from his own pocket. 
We shall get there. Tell your neighbor, don't do that. Don't calculate it according to your packet. Oh, hallelujah. And the topic for this morning is, he is your provider. Tell somebody, he is your provider. Oh, say it as if you believe in what you are saying. Say, he is my provider. Father, speak to us in your word. In the name of Jesus, minister your word to us, O oh God. Minister your word, O oh God. Speak to us, O oh God. Speak to us, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Tell your neighbor, he is my provider. What about you? He is our provider. Right from beginning of creation, God was providing for humanity. He was providing for everybody. Before a man was created on earth, God made sure that everything needed for man's survival was created. He brought about the earth where man would build, the land to cultivate, the crops to feed on because man cannot just plant today and begin to enjoy today. So mature plants were on the land bearing fruit for man's consumption before man was created. So God was providing from the very beginning, and his methods of provision vary from time to time and from circumstance to circumstance. He does not do it one way. He does it according to the situation. Oh, amen. And when he created man, when he picked that stick from the ground, broke it into pieces, and picked the clay, formed it around that human being, uh, 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 he breathed into the nostril. He gave breath. He provided breath even into the man that made the man a human being. And the breath he provided from beginning of creation is what we have today in all of us. Our God is a provider. Oh, hallelujah. Some, sometimes human beings will provide, but the things will not last. They will be there for some number of years, and then vanish or destroy. But God's creation or provision can, can continue to stay forever, can stay and stay and stay and stay on. Oh, hallelujah. Tell your neighbor he is a good provider, a very perfect provider. Throughout Bible, the Bible, when people were in need, God provided. And there was no instance in the Bible why you could compare provision of man to the provision of God to draw a conclusion that man's provision was anywhere better off than God's provision. His provisions were always outstanding. Amen. When the people of Israel were in Egypt, they were enjoying themselves. They were feeling good. And when God asked them to leave, the small food they gathered they were eating along the way. When they got to a place and there was no food to eat, everybody rose against Moses because he was leading. He needed to know that the food they were eating was getting finished. But he didn't notice that one. So the people started attacking him and he turned to the Lord. When he turned to the Lord, 
the first time God decided to bring down a kind of bread that was baked from the oven of heaven. Oh, hallelujah. And the people did not see it before. They saw bread prepared by human beings in Egypt. And they know how it looked like. But in the wilderness, they saw another bread. And they didn't see it before. It was something new to them. So when they saw it, they shouted and said, Mana, what is this? And manna has become the name of that bread. We say the Israelites ate manna in the wilderness. Manna was not a name. It was a question. Tell your neighbor it was a question. Manna is a Hebrew word, meaning what is this? What is this one? God's provision surprised the whole humanity. We have not seen this one before. And Moses said, take it and eat. When they were living, they ate bread in Egypt. With the, 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 the lambs they killed. But this bread was different. Oh, hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, your parents can provide. But God's provision is always different. Oh, hallelujah. Human beings can try to do his best. But God's provision is always different. They say, what is this? Mana, mana, mana. And it has become the name mana. They were eating that one alone. I, I, I can't tell how God prepared it. Everything was in it, keeping them. But they didn't know because they used to having some big meat in a bowl and some fish in a bowl that when they, are, when they were eating, they would pick this one and pick the meat or the fish. So when they were not seeing any fish, they had a reason to question Moses again. Oh, amen. We were eating fish over there. We were eating meat there. What happened that you, you, you are giving us this raw thing to eat? And Moses again turned to the Lord. And look at what God did. He brought that small bed, quills. I told some people that, five people, I told them, when I give you three quills to eat, five of you, you will not finish it. They said, no, it wasn't true. Ah, this must more than three. Say, okay, then get the three prepared. They couldn't finish the three, five. Meanwhile, the thing is just, the bed is just more like this. You know, I was wearing it here. This corner was the corner for the quills. Oh, hallelujah. A small bed. But when you put it, when you put the meat in your mouth, and you are chewing, God's provision is always different. And that small bed contains every medication that the people of Israel needed at the time. So they were not only eating meat, they were eating meat and taking medicine at the same time. Oh, amen. Sometimes you eat food and it gets you sick. But God gave them food that was getting them healed. Tell your neighbor, God's provision is always different. Today we are eating and we are getting sick. They say we should eat fruit. And now some doctors are saying, the way the fruits are even produced in Ghana, with water from Gata and other things, 
Some of the fruits are even given typhoid. So treat it well before you eat. You eat the meat, they say it's not good for you. You take the chicken, they say it's not good for you. You take the fish, ah uh-uh, problem. I don't know what we are going to eat now. But God provided quails. The people were eating, and it was healing them. <laughs> oh, amen. May God provide for you all that you need to keep yourself alive and keep you strong in life. Oh, amen. God is always a provider. He supplies our needs. He gives to us whatever we need. And according to the first scripture we have read, this was a man of God, a prophet of God, who gave prophecy. He himself prophesied that God, let there be no rain on the earth until at my words. Because the people were stubborn. Did, did, did anybody ask him to go and uh, uh, command the rains to stop? He himself commanded the atmosphere that God, I don't want any rain on the earth. For three years, it didn't rain. He forgot that he was also living on the earth. <laughs> so he gave the command, God, let there be no rain. But God decided that I am a giver. You ask me not to give rain, but let me still prove to you that I provide. You yourself, I wouldn't want you to die, but I want to provide for you through means that your scientific knowledge will not comprehend. So go and sit by a brook. A brook is a lake. It's a small water somewhere that has no other source of water feeding it. So by all means, it will dry up. But the man Elijah was asked to go and stay by a brook. He was staying there. Then the Lord said, I commanded ravens to give you food. They were bringing food. And look at the things God used. The brook would dry up. Ravens are birds that do not hunt for animals as eagles and hawks do. They feed on animals already hunted by others because they don't have the strength to do that one. But they are the very ones God used. A brook that has no source of water supply, God used it. A bed that has no strength to carry heavy things was the one that God used to feed Elijah. And the Bible says, at a point in time, the brook dried up. And when the brook dried up, the raven also stopped coming. Will you die there? <laughs> but the same God proving to the prophet that you want me to starve the people. But in my nature, I'm a provider. He said, okay, move from the brook to Seraphat. I have commanded a widow to feed you. In fact, I can't tell how God commanded the widow. Because if you carefully study the Bible and you examine the reactions of the woman, when the man of God spoke, it, it suggested that she was not prepared. She wasn't expecting the kind of visitation she had from the prophet. Yet God said, I have prepared. I have, he said, I have ordered. You have ordered somebody and the person didn't know you ordered him or her. Sometimes God will order you, but you will not know that he has ordered you. 
until somebody wakes you up that you are ordered by God to do something. Oh, hallelujah. When the prophet appeared and saw the woman, he said, woman, go and bring me some water. The woman obeyed. If you want to stretch this, theologians will tell you it is in the culture of Israel that a visitor will not be denied water. So she was only uh, fulfilling the cultural demand that was placed on her. But when she was going, they said, stop, I need bread. The first instance, Raven and Brooke. The second instance, a widow. Widows are considered in Israel as poor people. A lady who lost her husband to death and has not married again. And they are considered as the poor. So they wouldn't want anybody to disturb them. And throughout the Bible, you will read that God will even say, if you provide for the widow, he will bless you. Because they are considered poor. How can God command a poor person to feed a prophet? Were there no rich people in the land of Israel, God's way of provision, God's method is always special. Oh, hallelujah. He will want every other person to benefit. So, this widow, I believe God was speaking to the heart of the woman. But the woman looked at the answer she gave to the prophet. He said, as long as my God liveth, I want to tell you, I only have a handful of flour in my house. In fact, the sticks I'm gathering here, I'm going to prepare this for myself and my son. We will not eat and be expecting any other person to bring anything because it's not raining. So we will eat and die. Little did the woman know that the very person asking for the bread was the one who commanded rain not to fall. <laughs> if he had known, <laughs> she would have referred him <laughs> that you are the cause of the problem we are going through. And you are here asking me for bread. Are you serious? <laughs> Assuming you were that person, and you, uh, uh, your pastor has commanded rain not to fall, and he's hungry, knocking at your door, give me food. Why would you tell him? Huh? Church members, be like you might be and say the truth. <laughs> why, why would you tell the pastor? Go, you go talk and say, hang I'm going to kill him. I love that one. <laughs> you, 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 are even, you are even kind. You are so magnanimous. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Can, can the group here tell me, what, what are you going to tell that person? Don't be gentle. Be the real human being you can be. You sacrifice. You are a real human being. You have commanded the weather, and you have caused all this problem. Now that you are starving, you run into my house. Get out of here. The woman didn't know the person she was dealing with. So she was only trying to be nice. Tell your neighbor, may you always be nice. Remain nice always, okay? Oh, hallelujah. But the man insisted. He insisted. Yes, I'm aware. You are going to eat the last food, but bring mine first. In the New King James, he started from bread and he stopped on cake. 
Oh, hallelujah. And the woman brought it. And when the woman brought it, that was the end of the woman's problem. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, I don't know. That was the first time I know that there's Mikanika in heaven. Cornmeal in heaven. <laughs> Milling the thing. <laughs> releasing it into the bowl. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> and and machines in heaven preparing oil. So when they pour the oil, fill it up. Fill it up. I thought it's only on the earth that we have machines that we use to prepare oil. Even in heaven, God has some. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> flour was coming. Oil was coming. The Bible says the flour was not used up. And the oil also did not dry out. So there was food on the land again. Our God is a provider. Oh, hallelujah. And he does it in a way that would, that would dazzle you. Get you confused. You'll be asking, ah, can this one also work? And they were feeding. The prophet was also feeding. Other people were suffering in town. So if you wanted food to eat, you have to go to the widow's house. Meanwhile, in the land of Israel, it's an abomination to go and eat widow's food. You're supposed to give to a widow. So you go into widow's home that you want to eat. It's a sin against God. But God has to defy the principle of Israel, the culture of Israel, and commanded a prophet to go to a place where no one else was allowed to enter. Also, not in the time where there's famine on the land. You cannot go to a widow asking for food. They will stone you to death. But that was where God asked the prophet to go. God has his own way of doing things. And sometimes his ways go against the ways of man. That is why he says, my ways are not your ways. Tell your neighbor he is our provider. He is, they enjoyed themselves. They felt good. And when food started coming again, the prophet moved away. Sometimes God will test you in order to give you supply that can take you the rest of your life. But if you are not careful, you will not see the test as a platform to land you in your blessings. Oh, hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, open your eyes and look. Not see you, look. There's a difference between seeing and looking. <laughs> Amen. God provided for them by testing the woman. Some of us are failing our test every day. The test comes by, you are not aware. You don't even know what is happening because you are not in tune with God. You are so much in tune with your flesh, so much in tune with the world. So what every other person is saying is what is running your life. You don't allow God to run your life. 
So you live day by day based on what others are saying. I have come to announce to you that if you can allow God to order your life, you will see his power to provide. The providence of God will be evident in your life when you allow him to show you the way and to lead you. Hallelujah. The woman listened to God and she had a portion. And look at Paul's story in the book of Philippians. And let's see Ephesians again because you see, sometimes this is what happens too. When you read a particular part of the Bible over and over again, it's as if that's the only thing that exists in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. He was in prison. All other churches that he planted did not remember him. But the church in Philippi remembered him, sent provision to him. Another time, they sent it again. At another time, they did it again. God was testing all the churches. Your missionary is in prison. You are singing praises every day, forgetting that the missionary was in prison. The priest was in prison. The apostle was in prison. But out of all the churches, one church remembered. Even in prison, he's still our leader. So they were sending provision. And Paul said this to them, that I am not saying this because I wanted something from other churches. But what you have done is in accounts of heaven. And because this is recorded in accounts of heaven, my God will supply your needs according to his riches, not according to your riches. God always provides according to his riches. Do you know how rich God is? You are asking for a single room because you know God can only provide a single room. But I want to tell you, he will give you according to his riches. Oh, hallelujah. According to his riches in Christ Jesus. Not according to your expectation, not according to your riches, but according to God's riches. The standard Paul was setting is that God cannot be measured when it comes to riches. He has his own standard. He has his own level. And when he wants to bless you, he blesses you according to his level. My God shall supply your needs according to his riches. And I sometimes say this, that some of us like quoting this scripture when we are praying. God shall supply my needs. Meanwhile, you are stingy. You fail the test. And you are saying, yeah, ba, 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 ba. God shall supply my needs. God. Stop sweating. Relax. <laughs> Do the right thing. And the supply will come. This kind of supply doesn't come through your prayers. It comes through the prayers of recipients. <laughs> Who received the blessing from your hand? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. If you want to tap into that one, 
Go and bless somebody who can release that into your life. And he will receive the thing and say, ah, for what you have done, may my God supply your needs. Then you can say you are enjoying. But you are keeping yours in your pocket. After you finish using it, then you, wait, you, you, you go into your closet. God will supply my needs. You will die starving. Oh, hallelujah. We take scripture out of context and we use it to, to seat our understanding. But scripture is real and it is always situated in a particular context. The context of this scripture is that the church was providing for Paul. And Paul prayed for the church, evoking the power of God to provide upon the church based on what they have done. Amen. Testing the church. Like I said, God will test you, and if you are not careful, you fail. Then look at the text scripture. Why people follow Jesus? They say the men were 5,000. And if it is in uh, today's context, where women are always more than the men, if the men were uh, 5,000, then how many women possibly do you think? <laughs> Let's look at the ratio. 5,000 men. How many women? They were all following Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus knew what he was going to do. But he still wanted to test the people. So he specifically called somebody who was working at that time and earning the highest salary among them. Philip. I said, Philip, can you find something for us to feed it for? He was the richest among them at the time. And when they asked him the question, he looked at his salary at that time, multiplied by six. <laughs> and he said, Lord, even half a year's salary cannot feed these people. My salary multiplied by six cannot do this. He was very frank with God. He didn't say, I don't have anything. He told God, I have salary. And my salary, if you multiply it by six, you get 2,000 denarii. But that 2,000 cannot feed these people. It means, God, I can't give you the full year salary, but I can offer half a year. Oh, hallelujah. Then another disciple said, uh, Jesus asked for me, you know, I don't earn salary. Peter's brother was a fisherman. So me, I'm not a salary worker. But looking around, I have a small boy here having bread and fish. But he also concluded, but what can this one do? All of them were ready to do something. Philip was ready to give this man salary. The one who was not on salary spotted bread and was like, okay, uh, there's something here. But this one too, what can he do? Jesus didn't say it can do anything. He didn't say your six man salary could feed the people. He only said, get them seated. Get them seated. Let them sit orderly so you can feed them like the way you are seated this morning. Get them seated. And they all sat down. Then he didn't ask Philip to bring the six month salary. He rather asked the one who spotted readily prepared food, food that was available, that could be eaten at the same time that they would not go and put any pot on fire. And this time too, 
I got to know that there is a big pan in heaven from which they, they, they have been preparing bread <laughs> and frying fish. So he lifted the bread to heaven and gave thanks. And gave it to them. They are you disciples. Distribute it among them. When they pick one, another will replace. When they pick one, then the spiritually the angels were dropping. You pick one, another one is dropped. You pick one, they drop another one. You pick one, they drop another one. You pick one, they drop another one. They were picking and the angels were dropping. And the bowl was getting full. Anytime they pick, another one is replaced. Oh, hallelujah. And everybody was satisfied. Then Jesus said, gather the pieces that there will be no waste. Can we get to our kitchen this morning? The young ones today, when they are at home, their parents prepare food. After eating, they leave, uh, somebody says, soppy, soppy. They leave these pieces in the bowls and drop them somewhere. And when they see their parents, you know, gathering them, they feel like, mama, at this one too, why can't you throw it away? Even if Jesus did not throw it away, how much more your mother? Jesus, the provider, said there should not be any waste. And you are saying, mom, leave this one here. Leave that one. At this small thing. I love the women who prepare the stew. When there's a small left, in the, they push it in a corner somewhere. Go for another soup. The, the, the leftover small one, they push it here. Then after some time, they add this one to that one. Add this one to this one. <laughs> To create another <laughs> something out of it. I don't know whether you have seen a woman doing, <laughs> doing that before. But I have seen some. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. If you have a woman like that, you thank God for her life. Oh, hallelujah. So the palm nut soup is added to the granule soup. <laughs> the okra soup was added. <laughs> hey, the lion soup was poured on it. The Kotom Rescue was also added. What name are you going to give to it? Hallelujah. I asked the women for me, I asked the women, what name shall we give to your soup? You've taken the last light soup. You've taken the palm nut soup. You've taken the granite soup. You've taken the, 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 the stew you prepared in the kitchen. You have added, you've added all the, and you put them together. What kind of soup are you preparing? Oh, hallelujah. But the young ones today will see it, look at it some way, and want to throw it away. I, I want to educate the young ladies today that even if Jesus did not want anything to go waste, then may you not let anything go waste in the kitchen. Oh, hallelujah. Learn from your mothers who put the rest, you know, those small, small things together to create another thing. And sometimes if you enjoy that one, it's more delicious than... Uh, <laughs> Jesus said, gather the remnant, gather the pieces, let there be no waste. Our God is a provider. Though he is a provider, he always wants us to keep things safe. He wouldn't want us to waste things. So those of us who like wasting things, learn today 
that our God is a provider, yet he wants us to be very careful how we use his provision. Use it wisely. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, use it wisely. Use it wisely. I have a last question for you. Have you ever gotten to a position in life where it appears that there's no hope or there's no hope anywhere that you were going to die? A situation where you realize that no, this one this day, perhaps, is going to be my last day on earth. Have you ever had that experience on earth? Life can treat you in a way that you look at yourself and ask some questions. Have you ever Perhaps on your bed, you are about to wake up. You couldn't lift up your hand. You couldn't lift up yourself. And you'll be asking, uh -uh, is that the end? What is happening to me? You want to turn your body, and the body refuses to turn. I don't know whether you have experienced that before. There was a time a cousin of mine, a driver, came from uh, work after enjoying the supper, went to sleep. The next day, Gossin, not Agosi, his name is also Gossin, <laughs> could not wake up. Alive, all right, but no part of the body was responding. He was only talking. Ah. What's the problem, Gossin? I can't wake up. Wow. We prayed all manner of prayers. The man was still there. Lifted him to the hospital. The, only, the doctors only said, the spinal cord over here dislocated. Some of the bones shifted to this side. Some shifted. I said, ah, how? In the night, somebody on bed, who came and shifted the bones? Who came in that night to shift the bones of a strong man who came from work? We all ate together, went to bed, and the next morning, the bones at the back were shifted. Not even one. No. So the, 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 the backbones could not support the body again. Doctors, what shall we do? They say operation. We have to operate on him. Uh, 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 what, uh, will it be okay? They say 50-50. And any time doctors say 50-50, it leaves you thinking. <laughs> oh, amen. So is there no medication that we can give him 
to realign the bones, they say, no, we don't have that one. 50-50. We brought him back home by faith and said there was not going to be any operation. 50-50, no. If there's no medication, lie down here. God, if this is the end of Godson's life, let him go right now. We don't want to be carrying any sick person in this house. But if this is not the end, you yourself put the bones in order and let him wake up again. One afternoon, I put my hand at the back. I realized that one, one, one side, the bone is still like this. He was lying there crying. The next day, the bones came back. He's still driving and going up and down. I don't know how it came back. But it made me understood that my God is a provider. Oh, hallelujah. Our God is a provider. I was looking at this man and I was like, how can this happen? So will he go and leave the wife and the children for who to take care of? Though God provides. But human beings, that is how you think first. More so when you look at the family and you realize that, ah, if this one also becomes a problem, I don't see anybody who will extend a hand of support. So possibly the load will be added to mine. Charlie, you, you, some kind of faith will resonate in your body. You begin to pray some prayers. Because you didn't want to carry any other load. So we were praying. The wife was crying. But today, he's up walking. Our God provides. He does not only provide food, even your health. The blood in your body, he provides. The water running in your body, he provides. The brain to work with, he provides. The strength you have sitting here, he was the one who provided. Can you touch your chest and say, my God is a provider. My God is a provider. He does not only provide food. He provides everything. From today, may he provide your needs. May he provide your needs. May he provide your needs. May you live thanking him every day for his provision. Can you rise and let's pray? Can you rise and let's pray?